Life can throw a lot at you. But imagine if your life were different, better, not because of what's coming at you, but because of what's coming from you. Let's get there together. Join us and imagine yourself. Good day, everybody. I'm Lene. And I'm Sandy. And Lene, what are we imagining today? Imagine yourself living a life without fear or imagine yourself pushing through the fear and living life to the full anyway. We wanted to make sure this could be as easy as possible for everyone. So we have with us today radio personality with 98.7, The Breeze, Kim Adams. And this remarkable lady, she is an Emmy award-winning TV and film personality. She can talk the talk and walk the walk because she has been through so many scary situations and she has made it through to the other side because she's made the decision to live fearless and to thrive. And we want to welcome you, Kim, to imagine yourself today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Big fan of the show. Thank you. Thanks. Well, we're (laughs) huge fans of you. And, you know, Kim and I get to work together at 98.7 The Breeze. And I was so excited to meet her, not just because I think she's an awesome personality at TV and radio, but what an inspiration. So, Kim, I don't even know where to start with you. so much. (laughs) It's a lot. So Live Fearless, let's start Mm -hmm. with that now. Live Fearless is the name of your company now, which is based on your life story. It is. How do we go from point A to point B with that? Okay, so Live Fearless is impossible. Let's start with that because you can't remove fear entirely from your life. You just can't. But what I have learned are the tools that I've needed to take what I am afraid of and not let it control my life. Mm. To harness that fear, use it, and as you said, Lynette, thrive. That's what I really have learned to do through all of my experiences. And it's nothing that anyone else can't do. We can all live a more fearless life. We don't have to let fear control our decisions and our destiny. And that's just not rhetoric for you. Let's no. start with some of the fearless or some of the fearful things sure. that could have devastated you that happened. Sure, absolutely. And there have been several throughout my life, even since I was a young child. I've had kind of extremes in my life. Extreme good things happen and then extreme bad things happen throughout my life. But we'll start kind of with my adult life. I mean, it's not therapy here, really. <laughs> we could do it. Lene is a pretend doctor. Yeah. So, oh, okay, okay, there you in go. my spare time, I, you know, I stayed in a Holiday Inn Express, and I no. Okay. <laughs> but no. Okay. We, yeah, you can start wherever feels natural. Let's go back to when I was working in television and decided to leave my career that I'd worked very hard on and become a stay-at-home mom. I left to go to Mississippi with my then-husband, who was a naval officer, Within four months of us moving down there, we moved right into the path of Hurricane Katrina Mm -hmm. and lost everything. Insurance did not cover it. And so with no insurance coverage and facing bankruptcy, my parents had also moved down the street because this is where we were going to live forever. So they sold their house in Michigan, moved down, built a house, four houses down from ours. Their house was also destroyed. So I was fortunate enough to come back to Detroit and work again, Channel 4 really saved me and brought me back and gave me a job again. But what I learned from that experience, first of all, I was never really tied to material things. It just wasn't who I was to begin with. But the things that I missed were like pictures that I didn't take with me or christening gowns, things like that, that were very difficult. All my videos were gone. So that part was difficult. But other than that, the material things, it just didn't matter. It was then that I really, truly started feeling blessed because 
it was almost uncomfortable. When I came home, there's so much support here and so much love from the people in Metro Detroit. I mean, they just embraced me so well, welcomed me home. People would bring clothes to the station, toys for my kids. They really just overwhelmingly supported us. And I felt so guilty at the time because my children were safe. Had we not left and evacuated, we would have more than likely died. Most of our neighbors did not make it and the water would have swept them away. And I would have been home by myself because my husband at the time was deployed. So he was out at sea. The ship had to leave port. So it was just me and the kids and my parents. And fortunately, we did get out. And so many people didn't. When we got back into our neighborhood, the things you would see in the trees was horrific. In the trees? In the trees, yeah. Because people had tried to climb up out. It was the water, not the wind, that really was devastating. And so people, you know, you try to get as high as you can. And so they went up into the trees. But you look at that. I had a job to come back to. Not just a job. I had a job on television. And a separate home, like another. And and I could buy another house. I mean, it hurt to, you know, rebuild the other house and have to sell it because you still have to pay your mortgage even if the house isn't there. They don't care. They still want their money. So Mm. you have to pay off your mortgage and rebuild a house. But so what? I had my two children with me. There were mothers whose children were swept away out of their arms. So how could I possibly complain that I lost my favorite pair of shoes or my sofa that I loved or who cares? It didn't matter. I felt so incredibly fortunate. And so even though people were well-meaning by helping us, I felt incredibly guilty for it because I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm okay. And I also left. I got to say bye. Yes. Yeah, you got yeah. to come back. To I got Michigan to come back here. Safe, you know, there, safe ground. Exactly. There are still people in New Orleans and in Mississippi in Louisiana that are still recovering from Hurricane Katrina, and they're forgotten. Who thinks about that anymore? There's another hurricane. There's another tragedy. There's whatever, and they're forgotten. So I've always felt very fortunate. You're fortunate, but as a mom, especially being scared. Yeah. The whole evacuation process. The evacuation prog- uh, process was scary, except for the fact that I was a meteorologist. Uh-huh. So when they had the path going a certain way, I had access to different computer models that most people didn't and didn't know how to read. So I was able to evacuate to a place in Florida where I knew it wasn't going to hit. It was actually where it was supposed to hit is where we evacuated too. Because there are no hotels. You That's you true, can't yeah. you can't get a hotel room. And so I went to where the hotel rooms had vacancies because that's where it was supposed to hit. So nobody was going to stay there. So I was very fortunate that we were able to leave. But, you know, when you're packing up your kids who were not even one and two at the time, little babies, myself, my cat, (laughs) and then trying to, you know, it's funny because being from Michigan, we hear people saying, you know, we had to board up our windows. Okay, I had no idea what that. Right, that whole process. That whole process. Unless you're from Florida or from down south. I started to do it and I was like, wait. I don't even know how to do this. How do you put nails into stucco? Like, what am I doing? And then I had to go to the fire station. You have to fill sandbags and you have to fill them yourself, load them into your car. I mean, there's just lug them over. And at some point I was like, okay, that's it. We got to get out of here because this is it. I can't do any more. But we were fortunate that I packed up quite a few things, my wedding dress, a lot of the kids stuff, anything I could fit in the car. I put so many of our neighbors who had lived there for years and years and years. They had been through so many of these evacuations that they didn't take the stuff because they were so used to evacuating and having to come home. They maybe didn't take it seriously they didn't because take there it were seriously. so many false alarms. Exactly. Because, yeah, I lived in Florida and Miami you get for it. years. And, right. yeah, sometimes and, you're like, ah, it'll be okay. Right. My house has been here for, and especially Katrina, they're like, I've been here for 50 years and nothing's ever happened. Well, this, this was the one. Did. 
And so we were fortunate that I had quite a few of our mementos that I still have. So that happened. <laughs> okay, there's number one. There's one. Facing the fear. Yes. Using some of it to actually evacuate, which in yeah. that case was a good thing. Right. But also not letting it cripple you as you took care of your children and got right, safe. Right, right. Moved on. But I still had fear in my life. I still made my decisions based on fear. I've always done that. It didn't remove the fear of what everyone thinks. It still didn't remove the fear of being liked, the fear of not having enough money. All the fears that we have in our life didn't go away with Hurricane Katrina. I felt blessed and fortunate for my life, but I still worried about working in television. Okay, well, I'm doing it now, but what if they fire me next month? What if they whatever? You know, I was still making my decisions based on fear. But I think that's a default, too. Of course. Everybody. Everybody. Especially the the one that was hardest for me was overcoming the fear of, and still to this day, I I fight it, um, being liked. We all want to be liked. People would look at you, Kim, and they would say, Kim, you have everything. You're beautiful. You have beautiful children. You have a great job. And yet, there you are. Sure. Thinking about that. It is not nearly the battle that it used to be. And I think the older you get, the less you really care what people think. I think that kind of comes comes (laughs) naturally. But you still want to be liked. And you can get 20 people to tell you, oh, you look nice today. And it just takes one to say, hmm. Uh, you wrong know, choice. A, wrong choice, whatever. And you you focus, you notice it on social media when yes. you can get a hundred people telling you how great it is and you get one person that criticizes, what's the first one you answer? And that stands that, out. That one. I stopped yes. doing that, by the way. I don't answer them anymore. Don't give them attention. Mm-mm. No, I don't do that. And in celebrities that they call it the clap back when they get yes. criticized and they, that's the first mm-hmm. person, don't give them any delete or I kill them with kindness. And usually they're like, oh, I didn't mean to say it that way, you know. So, okay, so I go through Hurricane Katrina, get back to Detroit, and get divorced. So now I am a single mom, sole physical legal custody of five children. Oh, my goodness. So. Starting starting everything back. Yes. Yeah. How old was your youngest when you were divorced? Uh, Let's see. She would have been, it's been almost five years. So she would have been 11 and the youngest was six months old. My goodness. Yeah. The youngest was six months old, a girl and four boys. Really the hardest thing that I've ever gone through. And at the same time I was going through that, I was trying to get back into television because I had left again to stay home to raise my kids. And, you know, that feeling of being... You feel worthless. Anyone that's been through a divorce goes through this. Um, You feel unloved, unlovable. Rejected. Rejected. And then I felt it in my personal life, but then also in my career. Because I was trying to get back into television and nobody wanted me. It was just just not a good time? It just, I don't know. I mean, it was just, it was just, it just wasn't the time for me. And in retrospect, it's because that wasn't God's plan for me. It just wasn't. Yeah. And the path that I took is exactly the path that I was supposed to take, but you don't see it at the time. You don't know it. You just don't know it. And every decision I was making was out of fear. I was grasping for any job, hustling. And it's what you have to do when you're a single mom. You you just have to. You take whatever you can get. I opened my own production company, which is very competitive here in Metro Detroit. Sounds really glamorous, but it's tough. I was able to get a job as a spokesperson for a couple different companies and things were going okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Raising the five kids. And then I'm bending over to make breakfast for the kids. And I had a nightgown on, so I held my nightgown against me. And I felt a lump. Oh, my goodness. And I was a health reporter for a short time at Channel 4. And I'd done this long enough to know 
It just wasn't good. And I had done everything I was supposed to do. I had yearly mammograms. I did self-breast exams. I mean, I thought I did everything that I could. That moment, what was the, did it hit you like, this Mm -hmm. is it? So, you know, when you know something's wrong, you get that heat in your body. Mm. I don't know if you've ever had that where it's just like your body feels like it's on fire all of a sudden because you just know something's wrong. I mean, it's that fight or flight. Yeah. Yes. And which is probably a surge of adrenaline. It it was a surge of adrenaline. Yeah, I just I just knew I knew instantly. And I'm not the kind of person that panics about health things and, and things like that. I'm pretty calm about it. But I just knew. Long story short, I went to several different doctors. I went to my first I called my regular doctor and my internist. And she's like, you know what? It's just probably a cyst. She's like, 80% of them turn out to be cysts. Feels like a cyst to me. Don't worry about it. And then I went to my OB, who said the same thing. Come back for your yearly mammogram, which was due in about nine, 10 months. Still didn't seem right. Okay. You knew within your... I just knew in my soul. I just knew. And I said, you know what? Can we just like do an ultrasound or something? You know, I'd had a mammogram and it didn't really show anything. There was one little suspicious area, but I have dense breast tissue, so it's like finding a snowball in a snowstorm. So they did an ultrasound. I swear the ultrasound tech was in and out in five minutes. She went to talk to the radiologist, and she's like, okay, swollen lymph node, everything's fine. Come back for your mammogram in a year. You're teaching us a lot more right. than I expected yes. today because right. this is you when have you to know need to continue searching when you know something is wrong. You have to trust your intuition. You have to. And this is where fear, if you're living in fear, you're not going to trust your intuition. You're going to choose fear. You cannot do that. You have to trust yourself. So I went to finally a breast surgeon at Beaumont. She took one look at the mammogram and felt it and said, that needs to come out. And I said, oh, okay, when? And she's like, I'd like to do it tomorrow. Whoa. And I was like, wait a minute. I have five kids. Hang on one second. (laughs) I can't even go to the dentist without six months of planning. So, And she's like, no, it needs to come out. So I had the lumpectomy. A few days later, I was in the library with my, he was then four, almost five, Alden. We were having, I had special time with each of my kids. You know, when you have five kids, you've got to carve out time, right? (laughs) So it was our special time. We were at the library playing Candyland and my phone rang. And I knew I had to answer it. So I put him at a computer with little headphones on. And it was a 37-second phone call. I went back and actually looked at the time on my phone. She said, Kim, it's Dr. B. I have bad news. It is breast cancer. It's malignant. And she proceeded to go from there. And I was kind of numb at that point. Very matter-of-fact, it sounds like. It was very matter-of-fact, which at the time I thought wait a minute, when they tell you you have cancer, aren't like the angel's supposed to sing and your family surrounds yeah, you? They bring you into the office <laughs> Right, don't you something? have that moment? Yes. And at first I thought, why would she do that? Now I understand, because it's almost like ripping off a Band-Aid. If you tell me to come to your office and bring all this support, I know what you're going to tell me. True. For her, it's almost like when a parent, when your child falls, skins their knee or whatever, if you don't say anything, usually the kid gets up, but if the parent goes, oh, <gasps> All of a sudden, the kid's like, wait a minute, am I really I'm hurt? I'm supposed to be upset. Right. I'm supposed uh, to freak out right now. So for her being very businesslike about it was very helpful because it was just like, here's what it is. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the next step. There was very little emotion involved, which at the end of the day kind of helped me. Although when I got home that day, stack of bills in my mailbox, the little one had pooped his pants, the other ones were hungry, house is a disaster, and I walk in, I'm a single mom. And I just found out I have breast cancer, and it's malignant, and it's aggressive. I'm looking at my house like, oh, 
So the world isn't going to stop because I have breast cancer, huh? Like, I don't get that moment. No chance to just decompress and take it in. No, you don't get to, you you just have to, let's do this. Let's go. So that was a moment of clarity for you? It was because I just realized, like, look, it's still not about me. When you have kids, it's just not about you. True. It's about them, especially when you're a single parent. And so I just had to figure out a way to get through it. And to be strong enough to, kind of like you were saying, when kids fall down, to make sure that you showed them that that you all were going to make it through also. Right, right. Because I'm sure that was a big component. Regardless of how you felt, you wanted to make your children feel a sense of comfort. Absolutely. In fact, my older two children, when I, I told the kids separately, uh, first I took them on a trip to Disney World. I woke them up on a Tuesday. I got diagnosed on a Thursday. That night, I booked a trip to Universal and to Disney before I told them because I wanted one last vacation where no one treated me any differently. I didn't want anyone to know. I just wanted one more where I, I didn't know how they were going to react, but I knew they would be scared and I didn't want them to be scared. So then when we got home, I told the little ones differently than I did the older two, but the older two... It kind of helped with humor to get yes. through it, and it was the same thing. You know, if you if it's not as scary for them, you know, like we would be stuck in traffic or something, or someone would cut me off on the freeway, and I'd go like, no, no, after you. It's not like I've got cancer or anything, you know. <laughs> and the kids would be like, it's not funny. I'm like, you know, we would just kind of make a joke about it, and it just made it kind of less scary for them. But I really wasn't as afraid as you would think. I did not think about dying. I was not afraid of dying. Never afraid of dying. I became much more afraid of how I was living. What do you mean by that, actually? So I didn't think about dying. I thought, am I living my life the way that I should be? Am I the best mother? Am I the best friend? Am I the best daughter? Am I happy? Am I doing the things in my life that I want to? Am I surrounding myself with the people that should be in my life? I became much more afraid that I was wasting my time. Wow, that's an interesting reaction. Mm-hmm. I became much more concerned about how I was living because I didn't know. how. Now it became real that, you know, we're all, unfortunately, we know what's going to happen. At some point, we're, we're all not going. getting out of here. Yeah. Right. I didn't focus on, am I going to die? I focused on, how am I going to live whatever time I have left, however long that may be? And so I became really focused on making the most of every single day and stop focusing on and that I think that's really when I became much more fearless and became more aware of how I was living my life in fear and how it was holding me back every bad decision I've ever made in my life was made out of fear if I took a job that I didn't like I took it because I was afraid that another job wouldn't ever come along or if I stayed in a job that I hated I stayed there because I was afraid what if I don't get anything else I stayed in an abusive relationship for much longer than I should have because I was afraid to leave. Oh, my God. So have you seen this meme, Kim? Fear, it can mean two things. Forget everything and run or face everything and rise. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which, I mean, that's what it's I think so about true. When, I, when I hear that. Yeah, such a great meme. Yeah, that's completely true. And it's not, again, there is nothing special about me. There's nothing. Every single one of us has the capability of being resilient and fearless. Again, not completely fearless. You're going to have fear in your life, of course. But none of us have to live and make decisions based in fear. And the more things that you go through in your life, the more you are being prepared for the next thing to happen. For example, Hurricane Katrina, going through a difficult marriage, all prepared me for breast cancer. 
I was much tougher by the time I got that diagnosis. Yeah. After being a single mom, I think if I would have gotten it 10, 15 years ago, it would have probably been a completely different situation because I was tough. And all of us, you think about 9-11 and how did they get through that? How do you go on from that? Because all of us are born with that resilience and we can train ourselves to become even more resilient. But there's no secret formula. There's nothing... I think that's what really helped was that there's nothing genetic about me that makes me more resilient than you. Nothing. Yeah. It's all training your mind to become resilient and to get through it. It's your perspective. Focus, it seems like, too. You reignited and refocused and changed your focus to Mm -hmm. living your life instead of concentrating and sitting in the possibility of Waiting to die. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's how I live today. And you got through. Obviously, you're doing very well now. I am. I'm in remission now. Mm-hmm. No evidence of the disease. But here's the thing. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I would love to say that cancer completely took away everything that annoyed me. It doesn't. <laughs> I'm still human. You know, when the kids are whining, it's still grates on my nerves, just like anyone else. I would love to say that I have a 100% plant-based diet. I don't. I do better than I used to. And I think that's what we all need to do is just give ourselves the grace to be imperfect. And that helps with the fear as well, because I don't have to worry about being perfect. I don't have to worry about everybody liking me. I always say you can be the juiciest, ripest peach in the world and there'll be someone that doesn't like peaches. (laughs) (laughs) You just can't have that fear of, do I look good? Do people like me? There's just so many fears in our life that we just don't really need to have. Think about all the things you worried about and were fearful of five or 10 years ago. Probably 90% of them never happened. No. And if they did, guess what? You get through it. But they say that people who are closest to like some kind of a breakthrough, that's when they really feel like giving up. Mm -hmm. Did that ever happen to you? I mean, were there meltdown moments? Were there times where you're walking through some of these things and going, can't do it? Yes, absolutely. Several. In fact, I went through a time uh, at the end of my marriage and some really bad things. And I remember going outside and I picked up a rock from the driveway. I wanted to remember that, okay, this is my rock bottom. And so every time I looked at that rock, I thought, that was my rock bottom. Look how far I've come. But my rock bottom, what I didn't know, had a trap door. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) There was still further to go. There was still further to go. I needed to fall even further You will always be set back in life. There's always going to be that rock bottom and those moments where you think like, I I can't do this anymore. I still say that today. I'll I'll be exhausted and think, I can't do it anymore. I'm tired. I just can't. But guess what? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And you you will. Mm -hmm. You'll get up. You'll Mm -hmm. go on and you'll get through it. And I think having perspective is what really helps me because someone always has it worse than you do. Always. I used to work at Children's Hospital And when my kids would just, you know, the kids can get annoying. They just can. (laughs) They can grate on your nerves. I would go to work at Children's Hospital and think, oh, my kids, I'd come home and and hug them even tighter. And I think about that even with the cancer. You know, I have five healthy children. How many parents that had cancer, I thought about this when I was going through my cancer, how many parents of children who have cancer would give anything in the world if they could take the kid's cancer and put it in their body? So you just have to have that kind of perspective, but allow yourself to have those breakdowns and those meltdowns and forgive yourself for that. Because I hear so many times, 
you got to fight this with cancer, fight it and fight it. Okay. But some people, they're not going to win this battle. And so to put that pressure on them is too much. That they have to do it that they heroically have to, right, and without as if, tears. As if they really do have, you have some control over it. But at the end of the day, it's cancer. If you're stage four or you're, if you have metastatic breast cancer, it's not fair to say to them, you need to fight this and you're going to win. No, they're not. And it's not fair to them to feel like they're a failure because they're not going to win this battle. Sometimes they just need to hear, what do you need? What can I do for you? How can I help you? And everyone's well-intentioned. They don't mean to, they don't know what to say sometimes when friends or family are diagnosed. But I just think that we put so much pressure on ourselves to always be positive and strong. And, and for me, you know, fearless. No, I mean, make it the majority of your of your existence. But guess what? Have the grace to say, sometimes I just don't feel like I can do this anymore. And I'm going to break down. And I'm going to cry. But then you have to put your big girl pants on. You can't do that forever. Right. <laughs> then, then you got to get back up. You got to keep moving. So you allow yourself a breakdown. You have to, because otherwise we all experience a range of emotions. What if all of us were positive and happy and joyful all the time? Guess what? You're lying to yourself. If you don't allow yourself to feel those emotions, you are lying to yourself. You have to get angry. You have to feel all the emotions but you have to learn to make sure that you don't let one emotion like anger or fear or sadness as best you can. Don't let that control you. Right. But allow yourself to feel it because otherwise it's just you're just faking it. If you're telling everyone that you're happy all the time, no, you're not. And that's not helping them. That's not helping anybody. Then they feel like, right. And that's yeah. why I'm always very, you know, people are like, oh, you're so strong. And yes, I am. But guess what? I cried for two hours last night when I put the kids down for bed because I'm tired. Because I would love to have somebody to help me. Or I feel guilt over, you know, my kids don't have the typical family. There are just so many things that just are imperfect. And I think it's really important to make sure that we don't compare ourselves to others because everybody has their bag. Yeah. Everybody has it. Even me. <laughs> Even me. But you know what? You Even me. keep going, but you have all these events and things that you do. And one of the things is coming up soon, right? The Yes. So I'm doing the Race for the Cure, and that's uh, May 11th. And I'm a team captain, so I've got people supporting me on my team. And we will – I don't run it. I walk it. I walk as far as I can. And then if I can't make it the rest of the way, then I don't make it the rest of the way. No but, pressure. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, okay, I can't – I'm not a marathon runner. Love to be – just not going to do it. Oh, come on. So. you got time. To right. For <laughs> right. I do. Right. Probably. In my spare time. I know. But, you know, they, <laughs> the they baby f- strapped to your back. And, uh, right. <laughs> exactly. You know, we got to do what we got to do. But um, yeah, so I'm raising money for that. That really helps me doing these causes, whether it be breast cancer, whether it be domestic violence, whether it be children's charities. What really helps me and what really got me through the breast cancer was helping other people. That fills me. Because you focus less on your own problems when you're helping people with other problems. So I always try to reach out to as many women as I can, and they reach out to me as well. Women who have just been diagnosed, it is the scariest time for them. It was for me. And you Google breast cancer. If you want to think you're dying, Google the word cancer. Even if you don't have cancer, you're convinced that you have. It's horrible. Self-diagnosed on WebMD. Yeah, no, I'm banned from WebMD. Yeah. When you may not have the facts correct. And exactly. There's so many different components. and Right. So helping other women and women that are going through it really has helped me to kind of focus less on my own 
problems. And I do love when you post pictures on your Facebook page of people ringing the bell or yeah. people in the hospital. So is that a good place to like not only get in touch with you, but also mm-hmm. to maybe donate is on your... Yes. Yeah. My Facebook page, Kim Adams. And then I also have Kim Adams 98.7 The Breeze as well. Those two places. And you can even email me. It's Kim at KimAdams.com. I'd love to hear from you. And my only problem is, you know, there are 24 hours in a day yes. and I get so vested in you know, my Facebook and answering things that sometimes it's two in the morning. I'm like, I've got to stop. I've got to stop, yeah, you know, but take time to recharge. Right. Right. But people, people are kind enough to where they tell me, you know, some pretty personal things. And I feel like I, I mean, I really do want to personally respond to everybody. It's important to me. So I do my best, but again, you've got to give yourself the grace to forgive yourself if you can't get to everyone. But I certainly do try. I read everything and try to point people in the right direction. I can't, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a therapist, but I can tell you this is what I went through. This is what I learned. These are the mistakes that I made. And hopefully it helps. Uh, Investing in other people is amazing. And what we'll do too is on our website, Mm -hmm. we'll put a link to all the stuff. So like if you didn't remember all of what Kim said, go to imagineyourselfpodcast.com and we'll put that up too. So Lene, or my fake doctor Lene, she's <laughs> earned this title just over the wonderful therapies she's giving. Just, right. just in general, we really like to always make sure that our listeners get to take different principles away. Okay. And you have given us so much juicy, delicious peachness uh-huh. to, to work with. You know? <laughs> Thank you. Because there, we can start with anything from... Allowing ourselves to have fear, which you have given us the permission to remind ourselves to allow ourselves to have different experiences, go through the human emotions, be a real person who does cry, who does break down, Mm -hmm. who does have fear, but we don't let ourselves get strangled by that. We don't let it dominate who we are and what we can do and how things can still move forward. There's still hope. Another aspect that you reminded us is that pushing outward to other people and helping others and trying to sometimes concentrate on them because it makes us more grateful and gives us gratitude for what we do have and the blessings that we do have in our life, along with, doesn't it feel good sometimes to have, to know that you have inspired someone else, that Mm -hmm. you have shown them a little glimpse of what they could be? And just see them walk that out in their lives. And like you said, with ringing the bell for, you know, cancer being over, that is a beautiful, I don't even know who thought of that concept. Isn't that great? But that is an amazing way to Mm -hmm. celebrate being cancer free or going, you know, going into remission. And then I guess at the end of it, it's a new way of thinking of the word live fearlessly, Mm -hmm. living fearlessly. We sometimes spend so much time trying to push fear away, but you're teaching us that fear, I don't know about fear necessarily, but that intuitive feeling that something is not right Mm -hmm. is maybe just that healthy dose of fear that gets us to go back for another, a second or third opinion when it comes to our health or our finances or our mental health. And then also getting rid of the big bad wolf fear Mm -hmm. that does not help us, does not serve us, right. does not push us into the directions that we're supposed to go. Did I miss any takeaways from you? No, I think that, I mean, I'm kind of all over the place. So no. <laughs> there's just so much. But 
about questioning your doctor and trusting your intuition. If the doctor tells you something, but you really feel that it's not right, so many women won't question why. Because they're afraid. Yeah. They're afraid to question the doctor. They're afraid that, well, what, it, you know, he probably or she probably knows best. And no, you can't be afraid of that. You know, what if they think that I'm a hypochondriac or what if they think that I'm this or it's all based in fear. You've mm. got to push past that. Stop being afraid of questioning. We're allowed to question. Stop. Yeah, we're allowed to question. We're allowed to make mistakes. To, Absolutely. To live so. life. I often think of kids and toddlers many times. They live very fearlessly, but um, yes, and, and yes, to a detriment, they fall yes. down the steps and everything. But mm-hmm. but take a little bit of that and just go forward with it. They will stand up on stage and do a play and begin singing and dancing in front of any crowd with no fear. If we right. could take a little bit of that back, right. they will ask whatever question to whomever, however embarrassing. We don't maybe want to go that far, but to take a little bit of that that we were really born with. That innocence. Yeah. Because children, they can't believe that someone wouldn't like them at that point. <laughs> like they, they're the best thing, at least my kids. I mean, they yeah. think they are the best thing. My daughter's born on Christmas Eve and it took a long time to explain to her that we are not all celebrating for your birthday. There is another <laughs> little world. bit more <laughs> important birthday that we are celebrating. But, you know, she just, they think as a child that their world is the most important world there is, and to take that away is where the fear creeps in. They don't have that. They're not afraid. That's right. They think they're the greatest, and great and it's it's great to have that childlike innocence again. So we are imagining ourselves. Once again, this one we're really just going to do just like we start at the beginning. We are going to imagine ourselves living our lives without those types of fears that strangle us, and instead looking outward to how we can help and how we can grow and how we can thrive in this world as we are. Thanks for listening. Now we'd like to hear from you. Got an idea for the show? Want to share your story or just say hello? Make sure you connect with us. You can do that at imagineyourselfpodcast.com. And we'll talk to you again next time when we have something new to imagine.